not last, it's not surpassed. It used to be a newspaper. In the playoffs podcast. Not outclassed, ones on mass. Get it on my leader and run up to the end of the game. In the playoffs podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is episode 170, the show that features nothing but delusional lefty woke nonsense. Sorry, sorry, that, that intro was written by ChatGB News. This is an hour of Bolton Wanderers waffle where the only right wing leaning is Henry's man crush on Lloyd Isgrove. And on the show this week, leave us alone, we talk about the pain of Trafford and Bradley. Where's they been? Do Wanderers want Wednesday or Barnsley in the playoffs? Deal or no deal, the great contract debate for next season at Bolton. And we're heading for your Bristols. What should we expect from the last game of the regular season? But first, a big reminder for anyone who has not yet subscribed to the Bolton News until May the 9th. Get six whole months of unlimited Bolton Wanderers articles for just six pounds. That's a whole month for pretty much the price of one print paper. We've got some great things lined up for the summer, including a few golden oldies, a series on the sensational 70s from Jimmy Armfield to Ian Greaves, Frank Worthington, the lot. It's going to be fantastic. Some great old pictures being dug out, great old interviews as well. Along with all the extra stories you get every single week, you get a website with fewer ads that loads really, really quickly. You get access to an app with absolutely no ads straight on your phone. Download full newspapers to read offline as well. Uh, you can go back and read the dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews and features we've done, totally timeless for our subscribers in the past. And best of all, we're helping to keep local journalism ticking in this town, which I think is the best reward of all. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe or follow the links on my Twitter homepage and get six months for six quid. Simple as that. Now all the way from Spain, lying on an inflatable and covered in coconut oil like Ray Winston from Sexy Beast, it's Henry Hewitt. Henry, hola. Hola. I've been here since we uh, since we won on Saturday, since we confirmed the playoffs. I've been here just watching on by as, as fans of, I don't know, Malaga are walking by. They're in a relegation battle, Malaga, actually. So I'm, uh, I'm quite smug amongst the, uh, the, the seniors and senoritas around here. <laughs> My mate used to pronounce that Malaga. Much joy. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I, you said you said it. You were Bob on. You said it was going to be reet because if we were in the playoffs at the end of that weekend, we'd all be reet. It was reet. It was. That's the thing. We can all get <laughs> can all get upset about losing to Accrington. And sure, no one wants to lose to Accrington. Not even Accrington wants to lose to Accrington. But uh, you know, within four days, they'd gone done and dusted. And we're in the playoffs. It's how football works. And Mark, I may only still be a 32-year-old man, but I've been <laughs> and seen football enough times to know that that is exactly what happens, especially with Bolton. So, yeah, it, I said it'd be right. It was right. And now we can go to Bristol. And uh, uh, have you got your fancy dress sorted yet? Uh, yeah, we've, we're going to go as a pantomime horse. Uh, I'm not sure whether I'm going to go as the front end and jack the back end or vice versa. Not sure yet. Uh, but we're not sure about the uh, the press box dimensions either. We're, we're, it's all it's all in consultation at the minute. Um, yeah, never in doubt. Never in doubt. I, I thought it would go to the last day, if I'm honest, and you can rewind last week's podcast. And I, I'd wondered whether those jitters would set in on the last weekend. But actually... It was very professional. It, it wasn't even nervous. The, the most nervous I was was waiting for the Peterborough score to finish. The last sort of six or seven minutes of injury time there. Yeah, um, that was a bit of a... Uh, it was a bit awkward in the stadium. But it wasn't because we've won the game and everyone is happy. But everyone's kind of like just stood there. And I saw the inside match day and even the players were stood there mm. just sort of waiting and being like, OK, so uh, what, do we celebrate yet? And I, I was like, I hope Peterborough don't score. Because I think... It, you know, if that had have happened um, and then suddenly everyone just, I, I think half the people would have walked out, even though the players didn't deserve that. But no, it all worked out well. Um, and yeah, it was just nice. And it's, uh, I, 
you know, I mean, we'll talk about the Bristol Rovers game later on, but I, I think it could do as well, actually, having a bit of a week off from it. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, I know we need a point to secure fifth place, but um, I don't even think we'll need that, to be honest. I can see I can see the Derby and Peterborough battle ending up being that they both lose, because that's mm. how it's been the last few weeks. I think Peterborough's big chance came and went there. I think right in the middle of an injury time as well, Johnson Clark Harris had a, a header middle of goal, straight at the goalkeeper. And on those very fine lines, things move. I love that bit of footage, by the way, with the players watching the telly and somebody goes to turn it over. <laughs> and they're all, they're all like, no, 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 no. I'd love it if Tipping Point would have just come on at that point. <laughs> it would have been brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'd love uh, I'd love that. I'd love it. If it's one of the backroom staff, but, you know, I don't know, one of the, uh, the tea lady, they've still yeah. got a tea lady. I'm just going, oh, well, the, the chase is on. <laughs> um, the game itself, we'll, we'll just skirt over that because it's, um, it feels like a million years ago now. But the sending off was, was obviously a big turning point. Um, Bolton were already a goal to the good, but this, uh, Stockley sent off for pulling MJ Williams' hair. Have you seen the incident back and do you, do you think it was a red card? Well, I was actually I was in the North Stand lower, so sorry at the time. And I know that I know you tweeted afterwards saying you didn't really see what happened. Mm. And yeah, you could tell that during the corner there was a bit of uh, something going on, and then that Stockley threw his hairband away. <laughs> um, but then the corner came in. Obviously, they they got the free kick, and you I, I saw straight away MJ running away and his Stockley going, and it looked to me as if he'd slapped the back of his head. Mm. Uh, and obviously MJ's reacted, so I was like, I thought there could be something in this because he looks like he's he's slapped his head. I didn't know he'd pulled his hair, uh, so he didn't surprise me that he got sent off actually. But for me, I thought he was probably one of their dangerous. Him and Marriott up front, you thought one nil. He just takes a flick on and him running on. So I thought that was, yeah, I thought that kind of killed the game a bit, and I thought that played into our hands. And mm. you know, I, I don't. I don't know whether Stockley's uh, Stockley's accidentally booked his summer holiday for next week instead of the week <laughs> after. I wanted an extra week off. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it seemed very silly. Yeah, I mean, on initial, I saw the incident where he pulled his hair and the, the hairband came off, and actually, the fourth official saw that, which was the crucial thing because had had he not gone back and touched the back of his hair, he wouldn't have been sent off. Yeah. And you can question exactly how hard he hit him on the back of the head, or you know, brushed his hair. I don't know. I don't know how you're going to describe that because it certainly wouldn't have sent MJ down. But you, you've got to say, with MJ's point of view, if you're going to get if you're going to get struck, however lightly, you have to make sure the referee sees it, or else otherwise, you know, where does the line get get stopped? I suppose. So the fourth official was the one who was ultimately sent off the player. Because he'd seen the original incident and the referee hadn't, so yeah, it was. Um, it, I mean, it's as soft as hell, to be honest. I, I would, I would not be at all worried if that got overturned. It certainly worked to Bolton's advantage on the day. They'd already gone one 0 up, of course. The goal that was not Kachunga's goal that looked like Kachunga's goal to me, and I've still not seen a replay that says otherwise. But we're not giving it to him. It's going to be an own goal anyway. Um, just a little glimpse behind the curtain here. We all had a bit of a conflap at half time because obviously it's the journalists who initially decide how that goal goes in. It can be overturned later on um, by the old dubious goals panel or whatever the EFL have nowadays. But the guy from the press association tends to have the say on who scores the goal. Now, both clubs gave it to Kachunga. The stadium announcer gave it to Kachunga. And having watched the replays that were sent to me, I, I I don't know whether I could have changed it. So at half time, we went to the Fleetwood uh, press officer and said, "Well, listen, it looks like people are telling me this is an own goal. What do you think?" He went, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not giving it to our player. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not having our striker scoring an own goal. I'm like, well, yeah, that doesn't really matter whether you want to or you don't. Is it an own goal or not? Look, look at your replays, look at your footage, and tell us what what the score is. Um, so." Somehow, I think we've managed to turn it around. I think the guy from the press association eventually did see sense and say it was an own goal. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it is it is funny how clubs are reluctant to inflict an own goal on somebody as if it's some sort of curse. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, you are the, the bloke next to me um, had I follow up 
Um, and he, so Is that when he a scored, game and watching I follow? Well, he wasn't watching it as live. He, he kind of got it out. He got it on his phone when the goal had gone in. And then, of course, because I follow was about two minutes behind the action. Mm. So <laughs> he, he sort of nudged me and was, and I'm like, okay, right, okay, well, I'm trying to watch two games at once, but one of the games I've already seen. Um, and then eventually the corner came in. And to me, it looked like Kachunga turned his back on it and it just hit his back. So I was thinking, well, that's possibly the most Kachunga goal. Um, you know, they, they're saying it, your, your first goal of a season, just it can go in off anywhere. Um, and uh, and yeah, but it obviously turned out it wasn't. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was just a bit of luck, maybe that we needed after Accrington. I think yeah. we needed that early goal, just settle everyone down. Um, because I thought Fleetwood, I think Fleetwood weren't exactly packing the defence. They were having a little bit of a goal, but at the same time, they were very compact and they were going to struggle. To, we were going to struggle to break them down. I think if we didn't get that early goal, so. Uh, yeah, it was it was much needed, and then um, obviously from then on, Derby and Peterborough were never winning during the game, so uh, it was quite it, very unbolton like. It was mm. very uh, relaxed in the end. Yeah, Dempsey finished it off, of course, with the second. Couldn't miss from there. Thought lucky, lucky boy Vela, um, not to get a, mm. a red card. I think he went in two footed on Randall Williams. He's got that, and we know he's got that about him. And do you know what? I thought he played pretty well on the day, and I've seen that about Josh Feller a few times since he's played for the opponent's team, uh, whether it be Shrewsbury or whether it be Fleetwood or what have you. And he does look, he's, you know, technically, he's such a good player. He's so strong, but he's just a walking yellow card, it's especially against Bolton. Yeah, well, the um, uh, he went to take a corner in the first half, and the fans actually applauded him, and he, yeah. he sort of applauded back as a bit of respect. And then, so I was quite surprised that he, I don't know, obviously I don't watch, I, I didn't watch Fleet Shrewsbury and I don't watch Fleetwood when uh, Bolton aren't playing him. So I don't know if he's like that normally, but it does seem against Bolton. I don't know whether it's, because, you know, you must look at the players from that sort of era, the era where they weren't getting paid and it was a struggle. Mm-hmm. And now we're looking at the players of this era and going, they're getting full stadiums, they're, they're on the up, they're playing expansive football. There must be a bit of jealousy there. So I don't know whether there's a bit of that about Vela. He obviously had a, a very love-hate relationship with some of the fan base. So maybe there's that. I, I don't know. But, you know, I think, um, you know, who knows? We might never play Josh Vela again if we get promoted. So uh, <laughs> it might be that, that uh, tackle on Williams might be his, his lasting, lasting impact on Bolton Wanderers. That'd be a shame. Talking about that, I, I saw a. a... A couple of quotes from David Weeter this week that suggests he might be retiring. His his body finally uh, telling him it might be time to, to tone it down. He's playing at Darlington, of course, in the National League North. I can't really imagine a world where David Weeter isn't playing football. Well, I think uh, the the pubs the pubs <laughs> of the North East will rejoice. Because I'm he, sure he'll be enjoying himself. He is definitely a man watching Saturday uh, soccer Saturday uh, with a pint at the bar, isn't he? Every every day of the week. He, he could be hosting it. I'd have him as a host of uh, soccer Saturday. <laughs> He's definitely got future in in that sort of thing. I definitely, yeah, without a question. He, a buff pod, uh, a buff alumni, of course, uh, a former yeah. former co-host. Um, one guy, another centre half, another bulking centre half, uh, Owen Toll. Great return. First game back after the horrible tackle on him uh, by Sam Cosgrove at Wembley. First game back and very little sign of ring rust. I thought uh, it, I thought it was terrific. Uh, yes, very much so. Um, and, you know, it just shows that he's a, a top, top player. And, you know, I know we've been linked with another uh, Irish mm. player this week. Um, mm. And uh, hopefully, you know, I mean, Owen Toll has, has really set the bar very high on that, hasn't he? Yeah, without a doubt, I think anybody that Bolton now is linked within Northern Ireland is going to be expected to be some uh, world beater. But it's nice that we've said that before, haven't we, that it can be a place that Bolton can specialise in. Ian Everett made some kind of references to scouting abroad last week. And if Bolton got to the championship, they'd be able to spread their net a bit wider. But I, I would like, looking at the way that teams like Everton have done in the past with Ireland and uh, Preston have done, some teams do it well, and, and it looks like Ian Everett's got good contacts over there. So I, I think um, it would be nice to, to see them really, really 
make sure they get two or three players from, from that sort of neck of the woods and look at the younger players coming through. Totally, I think uh, it's good to see him back. Hopefully, Ricardo Santos gets a chance this weekend as well just to get the old ring rust out at Bristol uh, Rovers and then uh, jobs are good. And, but um, Right, for those that are wondering, um, an anagram of Ian Everts' Super White Army is Mutant Stripy Hair Weaves. But enough of that nonsense. Here's some headlines. News. Oh, well, this one uh, this one broke quite a few hearts, didn't it, when uh, this came out. James Chafford has said that even though Bolton will be with him forever, he ain't coming back next season. Um, which I, I think yeah. we all knew that deep down, but it's uh, some... Harbored hope that we got from LTD would do. I've just put out a story on on the kind of the mechanics behind the loan for James Trafford and for Connor Bradley, and they're they're slightly different because Trafford has obviously now done eighteen months with Bolton, and I think everybody has got to appreciate that the the wider scheme here for James Trafford is an England under twenty one goalkeeper. Um, the, the wider scheme is to go and play in the Premier League and. Right at this minute in time, he's he's ahead of Bolton in being able to do that. I think City initially loaned him to Bolton because they really needed to test him because the Accrington thing hadn't gone well. And it proved a very fertile ground for Trafford. Obviously, he's done terrifically well this last 12 months. But he's progressed now to a stage where City need to test him at a higher level. And that's not just a championship. I think if, if Traff goes out on loan in the championship next season, Bolton have got cause for some complaint or Bolton fans have got cause to say, well, couldn't he be doing that with us? City will still say, well, listen, he can't get comfortable at Bolton. It's too comfortable. We needed to test him somewhere else. That would be their retort, I would imagine, even if he went in the championship. For me, I think Manchester City are either looking to sell him in the same way as they did Bazunu last summer. There's you know, 12 million quid they got for him and he'd done exactly the same sort of thing as Trafford, career-wise. Um, or they are looking to take him back as the rumours had it, use him in the first-team squad. And that is great experience. Do, people are saying, oh, he's going to rot on the bench and all that sort of stuff. No, if he's part of the, if he's part of the Manchester City squad at first-team level, that is not rotting on the bench. That is good experience. Yeah. Um, or conversely, loan him out. When this, I think, this might be the case. This is the. This is my gut feeling: is that James Trafford will go out on loan to somebody at the top end of a league, like a Scottish or Belgium was mentioned, wasn't it? You know, it could be continental. Something to take him out of his comfort zone further, and to really test him as a person, because that's what City have got to do before they come back in and say, "Well, okay, son, can you play Premier League football?" Um, I think he's passed every test at Bolton. He deserves every single bit of good luck in the world for me because he's done a terrific job here. He's done exactly what he came here to do. And hopefully, you know, he leaves on a high as well. But I think for there to be any lingering negativity at this point in time bamboozles me, <laughs> regardless mm. of what he's, he's said or how he said it. Uh, you know, he has done absolutely everything he wanted to. Yeah, exactly. And this is the thing is that as sad as it is, he's not our player and Manchester City can do whatever they want with him. I mean, we went through a stage about 10 years ago where chances are he would have ended up at Wigan and that would have been... (laughs) uh, But I don't think that's going to be the case now. Uh, I'd be very surprised if it was and and disappointed. Um, But yeah, you know, this is the thing and we said it last week is that this is going to happen a few times. It's going to happen a few times with players who are... um, who are coming on loan to us from mm. from these clubs is that you know the as as much as we'd like to think that Trafford would be uh, knocking on Pep's door and saying I want to move to Bolton permanently that isn't going to be the case same with kind of Bradley they want to play at the top level they have been at those clubs for a while so they want to break in there they are the best clubs in the country so. Yeah, they're going to want to ch- test themselves and they'll do whatever they ask them to do. And I think you've got a good point there about him being comfy. It's like, you don't want... Manchester City don't want him becoming a Bolton player. No. They, they, 
they don't want that. They want they want to test him. They want him to be t- like tested, um, you know. And who knows? And uh, they, he might be on the bench for Man City next year. And I think he's a very he, obviously he's he's not as good as Edison, of course, but he's not got the experience. But I think he's in the same mould as Edison, mm. uh, even with some of the. Um, heart in mouth moments that Edison gives Man City fans. I think Trafford is the same, so he's in that same mould. So I think he would be a great um understudy to him. But yeah, you know, Man City may look and go, well, actually we can get someone someone else um who's got more experience. So we'll let Trafford go and put a clause in that he can cut you know, he can be transferred back. I don't know. This is this is it. But yeah, as as far I think for Bolton Wanderers you know he's he'll come back one day and he'll get a great uh, uh, applause. He'll get a great uh, reception, and he'll. I, I do believe him that he does have a place for us in his heart. But mm. yeah, unless it's at the end of his career coming back, or suddenly we get taken over by, um, you know, the Qataris. I don't think he's coming back, and he will do for a while. Give us another headline, Henry. Well, on, it's on the same mould as Trafford, really. Uh, Connor Bradley, he's uh, he's obviously got six months left, uh, less of a experience with Bolton Wanderers. Mm. So his is more let's see what happens kind of thing rather than counting it out. Um, he won all the awards at the event, uh, the event at the weekend, well deserved. And um, I mean, could you see Connor Bradley coming back to Bolton, or do you think it's it does depend on what league we're in? It definitely depends on the championship. I mean, this kind of links up with the Trafford stuff because it boils down to the club. It doesn't... It's There's no use singing to James Trafford or to Conor Bradley, we, we want you to stay, as, as much as I appreciate it's, it's a term of affection. Because they don't have a, a large say in it. If... If they dead set didn't want to go somewhere, I'm sure that Liverpool or Manchester City would take that into consideration. Um, and the same goes for if it wasn't quite working out halfway through in January for both both players, I'm sure they would have gotten straight out of Dodge and, and sent them elsewhere. The fact that Bolton have ticked all those boxes and made them comfortable and made um, and got great progression out of them is very much a, a feather in their cap, and, and that will help them no end this summer when they're going to get you know replacements in. But with Bradley. I feel that he was already further down the line in terms of progression uh, because he played for Liverpool. He'd been in the first team. And and Jurgen Klopp really did... I mean, didn't want to send him out originally in January. When Bolton got Marlon Fossey originally, they wanted Conor Bradley, but Jurgen Klopp didn't want to let him go because he needed him as cover. That's how close he was to the Liverpool first team. So it will be a big decision for Liverpool and I think they want to see just how far down the line he is now. He's, he's obviously had a big season with Bolton. He's won all the awards, the player of the year, players player of the year, shared young player with James Trafford as well and he deserves all those as well because he has been that good. When you speak to opposition journalists or you listen to opposition managers, he's one of the guys every single week that they pick out and say, you know, he's a terrific talent. So, is he ready for the Premier League yet? Uh, question mark. I, I, I don't think so gut feeling but he's not far off at all and Liverpool may in the same way as, as as Trafford may go back into the bosom of Manchester City in the first team rather than being a kid Liverpool might want to take him back in there over pre-season and really test him and see just where he's got and Liverpool have got a big pre-season a long pre-season planned in in the far east and they have training camps here there and everywhere it's a it's a long one so if Bolton are going to get Connor Bradley back it probably won't be until the very very start of next season so I think there's going to be a lot of nails chewed on that front and and it's up to Bolton to decide whether or not they have got time to to wait for that and I think it'll become quite apparent as the summer goes on whether Ian Everett brings in another right wing back and, and says, well, we can't really afford to wait for Connor, or whether that's going to be something he, he jumps straight on. And all that, of course, is completely contingent on championship football, which is miles in the future at the minute. There's a lot of work to do before that comes along. But he deserves it all for me. I think he's had a terrific season. I Again, he's one of those that I think Bolton fans will, will be talking about for years, like Trafford, as one of those loans that just worked. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had a few, haven't we? It's that sort of the Bolton's greatest ever loan signings, and uh, I think definitely Trafford and Bradley would be up there. And and uh, I guess it's hindsight as well will do that because I'm sure they'll have great careers and we'll be able to say that 
Um, obviously, they started off at Bolton, but um, yeah, I was I was pleased that um, you know I was pleased for Connor Bradley that he won the awards. I think he's it is well deserved. We discussed it last week. I think him Trafford um, have been outstanding this season, and um, you know I think uh, yeah I think it's uh, they can they can go off with with both of them with their awards and have great careers. So uh, yeah, it'd be nice to see Connor Bradley back next year, but. You know, maybe maybe for a club, you certain players have 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 air at certain times and suit yeah. certain times. You know, I know Bradley and Trafford are good mates. If Trafford isn't coming back, would Bradley? Would it be different if he come back? Would it be? I mean, I'm sure he's mates with a lot of the players, but if he's not got his best mate there, would it quite work as well? Uh, it's difficult to say. Do you go down a different route as well? Because who knows? If we get promoted, we might have to play a slightly different formation or be less open at the back so maybe we'd look at a different kind of right back um you don't know do you sorry about that henry the hell's angels appear to have just uh, driven down my streets it sounded sounded ridiculous but uh, anyway um should we try a different headline uh yes so uh, this was an interesting one this came from one of the interviews you did at the uh at the awards football ventures have hinted that uh, they could be doing um, a new lot of funding drive or mm. bonds or what was it all about? Yeah, new new funding drive. Uh, very, very little information to, to go off. It was just a scrap in Nick Lukock's speech, which was very good again at the start of the awards dinner. He said that there'd be more information coming out in the summer once everything had been wrapped up. But he said it was a, a way of the supporters and stakeholders... Uh, getting a bigger part in their club. And a lot of people have read that into meaning it could be a bond scheme, it could be a, a share scheme, it could be... It will basically be a way of generating some degree of cash. Whether that is contingent on being a League One club or whether or not that's also applies to the Championship, don't know. We'll have to find that one out, won't we? Um, but it is interesting because... I, I mean, we've, we've seen already that, that Sharon Britton... Isn't worried about necessarily kind of watering down her stake in the club. Uh, she's already done deals with Nick Lukock and and his uh, BMLL Limited company, the the Swiss consortium, as we often describe it. So they've already got a big slice of that pie. Um, we already know, of course, the the government loan as well. That's got a slice of the pie. So this here could be saying to the fans, hey. Do you want to buy a piece? And, you know, if we do well, you do well. Now, there will be people of a certain age, I am very, very sure, that will turn around and say, hey, I've got a, a certificate above my mantelpiece that says I'm a shareholder in Bolton Wanderers from many moons ago. Um, I think they've done it more than once, in fact, and it's worthless. And that is completely true. That is the risk you take, I think, on these sort of things. Uh, I think our newspaper, the Bolton Evening News, is also, uh, or was also um, a big shareholder at one stage, and they are worthless too. But, I mean, it, it as, a, as a Bolton fan, if, if Sharon Britton turned around and said, listen, Henry, if you give us 50 quid, you can have, um, you can have a steak, would you, would you take it? Not, not literal steak, not like, like some food, but uh, a steak in the club. <laughs> I mean, a yeah, fifty-pound steak does sound nice. Um, I, I definitely do a fifty-pound steak. If she says that, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'll have to. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but going back to the, uh, you know, non-food, um, <laughs> which I mean, I've not even had my breakfast yet, so I'm actually. Uh, that's why that steak would feel would go down very well right now. Um, but yeah, I think I probably would. I think it's. I mean, let's face it; it's more of a ceremonial thing, isn't it? You're not gonna have a ceremony on things in the club uh yeah. but um yeah i'd probably do my bit i'm i'm you know i know not everyone is is lucky enough to be able if it is 50 quid for example to be able to just to do that but um i yeah probably i probably would but um yeah it's an interesting one isn't it it's interesting how this is um you know because i think you know people will look at different ways of this some people may look and go oh are they and panic from the a few years ago where we were and you know, where they needed money again, mm. but others might look and go, well, you know, the, the, the club have been very vocal about having fans involved and, and giving these opportunities to fans. So I think it's, uh, for me, it's a good thing and I, I'd probably be a part of it, but, um, 
yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that one when more information comes out. But yeah, I think it is important to reiterate to to anyone who was reading it and going, oh yeah, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna buy that, I'm gonna have a share in Bolton Wanderers, and I'm gonna tell them that uh, we need to uh, play this person instead of that person, or we need to sign this person. That isn't gonna be the case. <laughs> We're not gonna have a say on anything. It's not Crawley Town. This isn't. <laughs> yeah. This isn't hashtag United. Uh, I, I know exactly. They'd be, be they'd be B class shares, so they're they're not voting shares basically. But it would mean that you can theoretically have access to an AGM and all that kind of jargon, and that you'd get all the uh, the details sent through as well. And and I mean, even if let's say for example, you were talking fifty pounds per share. Even if every single season ticket holder bought one, you're talking about seven hundred grand. Mm. And Bolton made a loss of more than three million quid across the company this year, and that's in the League One. That's last season in League One. So you're talking dropping in an ocean. If you're going up to championship level, it's dropping an ocean, that kind of thing. So I don't necessarily think that this could be like, oh my God, the owners need our money. Let's let's start rattling buckets. Of course, that's not the case. I think this is more a case of, okay, well, let, we're in this together. Let's all let's all get in. Um, I'll stand corrected. I hope that, I hope that doesn't come back to bite me in the backside. But I I think that is how I'm I'm interpreting it and how I see it going. Um, but I'm I'm as interested as anybody else. I, I'm quite happy to uh, to put my my couple of pennies in. Um, I'll have to save up a couple of weeks' wages to uh, to be able to afford it. I'm sure. But uh, uh, maybe you can just forego one of your appearance fees on the buff, Henry. Uh, yeah. Well, you do pay me in stakes anyway, so uh, I should be able to uh, let one of them go. <laughs> just a couple of a couple of sirloins should be fine right okay let's move on swiftly to another headline Elias Kachunga he obviously well he didn't get his first goal of the season in the league at the weekend it was cruelly taken away from him uh, by Mark Isles and the other press team in the, <laughs> the press area at Bolton on, at half time on Saturday uh, but he's been saying he's, he's been a bit frustrated with a lack of game time uh, this season and if you think back to the start of the season when we were looking and thinking, well, we've got, well, I think we had four or five uh, strikers at that time. We've still got five or six strikers now. You, you, you know, unless you're a Dion Charles and scores twenty goals a season, you're not going to be playing all the time. Uh, does he have a point, or, or is this kind of what he signed up for with Bolton? Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's the first time I've ever really heard Catcher bring up the games because. He's very. He has been very chilled, and he's had a, quite a lot of criticism. In fairness, all, almost all the way through the time he's been at Bolton. But we're getting to the end of his contract. Obviously, he'll be thinking about it. The club's thinking about it, and and we're all discussing it. So he's kind of trying to weigh up a little bit, and he, I think he freely admits people will look at the goals, but I do more for the team. It's not my my game isn't about just goals and I think we've had that discussion before some people will say you're a striker some people will say he isn't a striker shouldn't be judged on that merit so that's all up in the air but this is the first time he probably said but actually I'm not really getting starts I'm only feeding off scraps as well since Wembley Saturday was the first time he really started a game and I think on his performances they have improved I think towards the end of the season he's been as reliable a forward as, as Bolton have got. I, I know I totally accept the argument about goals, but I, I think with his back to goal and the work he puts off the ball, he's been very effective. And in the big games, in the pressure games, he almost always comes to the fore for Bolton. So I think he's probably got a little point. I think he's probably got a point that he, he maybe should be given a little bit more credit or a little bit more credence as a first-team starter at this point in time. Whether or not he's the long-term answer, you know, we'll probably discuss that over the summer or, or what have you. But I, I do think at the minute he's quite reliable. Yeah, you know, I think... Oh, the tone of that, yeah. The tone of that, yeah. Well, people will look at goals, of course. And, yeah, is is in terms of goals... Unfortunately, it hasn't been good enough. You know, he, he's he's he got a goal uh, in important moments in the semi-final of the Papa John's in the final. So, uh, you know, that's great, and I accept that. And that's um, we are, we were better off for that, and he deserved that for the the flack he was getting. I've never been one who was who was giving him that stick. You know, it's it's so funny when you you look at say on, with the fans on social media when you see some people are now defending him. Yet uh, months ago, were were slacking him off. I've always been down the middle. 
mm. uh, with it. I've never been slagging him off, but I've never been praising him too much. But, um, you know, I, I think it's the same with any striker. I'm sure if you asked Daniel Londolu, I'm sure if you asked Eddie Biagio, you know, I'm sure if you asked um, Bakayoko at the start of the season and Apollyon that you need to be playing football when you're a striker. Dion Charles has probably got 20 goals because he's had uh, the most time on the pitch than any of the other strikers. Whereas the others have been kind of feeding off scraps a little bit. And, you know, when it's it's difficult to get a chance in 90 minutes, let alone nine or ten. Mm. So I'm sure all of them would, would agree with Kachunga on that. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it, I've, I mean, that's the thing with having a lot of strikers in the door. You've, you've got to accept that. And, you know, I'm sure Kachunga or any of the other strikers could go and, uh, to another team and play 90 minutes and play more. And who knows, Kachunga contracts up at the end of the year he could go somewhere else whether it be England or another country next season and we're looking and going well why didn't he do that for us but he will probably get more time playing for him so you know I, I get what he says I agree with what he says but he's just part of the beast when you uh, when you play for Bolton unfortunately Right, a brief pause in the podcast there whilst Henry changes location. He's uh, just decamped from the Ivory Tower back down into the main drawing room of uh, Seven in his Malaga Tower. Uh, how are you, are you, can you hear me, Henry? I can, yeah. It's a lot clearer down here. Uh, I've got a, uh, a brandy with me. Uh, just the rustling of the chandeliers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, give me another headline. Um, well, it's just uh, we just spoke about Kachunga there. It's on the same note. It's about contracts. There's a few players who've got contracts up in the summer. I guess the club can't really do anything until we know what league we're in next year. Mm. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of debates about it, and I think it's natural to have that debate at this point in time. Even though we can't really decide anything, you've got seven players: Kachunga, uh, Lloyd Isgrove, Joel Dixon, Kieran Lee, Josh Sheehan, MJ Williams. And I'm missing one. We'll come back to it. <laughs> but uh, yes, I, I, I think there are players, there are certain ones that if you, you've got to work on the kind of the best case scenario. If Bolton were to get into the championship, which of those players would you want to keep hold of? Well, yeah, this is a, it's, it's an interesting conversation, isn't it? Because, I mean, before three or four weeks ago, I'd have probably said, yeah, MJ would probably be able to find a new team. But... Oh, it's Bod Varson, by the way. Sorry, I completely forgot about Jan. Good oh, grief. Of course, yeah. But anyway. Um, you know, I think each one of those uh, has, you've, you know, you, you have pros and cons about keeping him. I mean, Kieran Lee's a top player, but he's, you know, he's he's not the player he was when he was 23 in terms of his, his ability mm. to play more than one game in a week. Um, and I think, for me, if we stay in League One, I think, yeah, there's there's a lot of those players I would probably keep. If we don't, then you you I don't know. You're looking at there's as I said, there's pros and cons for them all. Like they're all good players. I, I would love them all to stay for a um, you know because I, I do like them all. But yeah, I think when you're looking at the championship, you you have got to look and think. Well, each one of them, you know, Bod Varson, great player, uh, one of our better strikers, I think, when he's fit. However. He was in the championship with Millwall, and he didn't work out for him. So, would he play better in a Bolton team, and could he score goals, or are we going to have the same problem that they had? Um, you know, we said about Kieran Lee, Kachunga, we've just discussed. You know, MJ, yeah, you would probably have said definitely not, but now there's a question mark over that, um, and it's the same for the others. So, I mean, is there anyone there that you think uh, Bolton should definitely keep? Because I guess. Whereas a few years ago, we were going down to the wire with a lot of players. Now, any players we wanted to keep, they get given contracts well in advance, haven't they? Yes, it's quite quite good that Bolton have only got the seven. And, and, and obviously, there are still those loan brackets that need filling as well, because all the, all the loans will go back. So there's going to be plenty of work to be done in the summer, regardless. The, the big decision for me is, is with Bud Varsen. I think Podvarsen has had some horrible luck at Bolton. For me, I, I think he would have been comfortably in double figures, would have been rivaling Dion for, for scoring rates had he not injured himself in January. But 
and I think, and I do think genuinely in a Bolton team, he would go and score goals in the in the championship as well. I think just having his experience would be a good thing to have uh, up in the championship. Same goes for Kieran Lee, but of course there is that physical aspect. He's been struggling with a hip problem, it, well, since he was at Sheffield Wednesday. So that historical thing is eventually going to catch you up. It, nobody plays on forever. So he's always got to draw that line and that might well come from him. It, I, I doubt it. I doubt the club are going to turn around and, and say, listen, we don't want you. But Kieran might turn around and say, hey, this this is getting too hard, guys. I want to go out whilst I'm on a, on a high. Who knows? Um, of the other lot, I, I agree with you with MJ and, and, and Sheehan. It's a toss of a coin at the moment as to whether or not it'd be Championship or League One. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, Joel Dixon, I think we pretty much universe, universally recognise he's not really worked from at Bolton. I'd imagine he'll go. Lloyd Isgrove, probably similar now. He'll, he'll probably go because of the injuries he's had, which have been a, a crying shame because I, I genuinely think he is one of those players that could have made a big difference this season. Um, it is a, it is a real shame for him, but football's a really harsh business. Um, and then Kachunga again, in terms of experience, I wouldn't say no personally. I think he, he would be one that I would uh, take up into the championship, but accepting that, you know, it depends on the budget and, and whether or not you feel you could get any better. But I think uh, I think it's a difficult one, particularly on Sheehan and MG. I think they're the ones that really will be the, the interesting calls for Ian ever, ever to make if he has to make that call in the championship. Yeah, I'd probably put... Yeah, I'd probably put Dixon... If you do to do a tier list, I'd probably put Dixon and Isgrove at the bottom of that as, as probably yeah. going to go. Uh, you know, Isgrove... I mean, we all know I have a signed sock from Lloyd Isgrove uh, and I would love him to stay for the rest of his career. However, he's not fit enough. He's not been fit enough for the... You know, he's he's not played enough games in the last 18 months to, to for me to warrant a new deal, which is a shame. And I think he's, he's shown in the limited time he's got, I think he's a good League One player. He, he's got a lot of energy. Mm. Um, and I think it is just the fact that he's been injured, he's going against him. Dixon... He's going to go. Um, yeah, I'd probably put, for me, the the three that are the biggest question. I mean, Sheehan, again, League One has shown he's a very good player. I'd definitely keep, if we're in League One, I'd definitely keep Sheehan. Definitely. Um, can he make that step up? I don't know. Kachunga, I think Kachunga had a good game against Aston Villa in the Cup. Um, and I think he's possibly a player that will... I think he's a player that plays better against better opposition. I know he's had that Premier League experience as well, so maybe Bod Varson. Yeah, I think I think for me, Bod Varson is a he's the one striker we have who will have a shot. You know, the ball comes to him in the area; he has a shot. I think sometimes Charles can look to pass it. I think the same with the others. I think Bod Varson is a very he's a he's a goal scorer, but again, has he played enough games? Is he fit enough? I don't know. Mm. No, it's interesting. And, and the thing is, we get these emotional attachments. Um, you guys as fans, myself, I, I'm not, not immune to that sort of thing because you deal with these guys every single week. They're good guys. You you talk to them off the pitch and, and, and get to know them as people. And, you know, you don't want to see anybody moved on or, or kind of... Uh, disrupt the status quo. Uh, it's just entirely down to Ian Everton and he, how he sees his team progressing. And if he, as you touched upon before, if he goes up into the championship, does he have to factor in the fact that Bolton are not going to be able to play quite as expansively and, and quite as attacking football as they do at League One level, at the top end of League One? There aren't going to be teams like Cheltenham and Forest Green and, and what have you to that are going to sit there and camp and, and just let you come up, come at them in waves. There's going to be teams doing that to Bolton. You might need a team that has to have that defensive structure about them. So it will be interesting to see how it's all rejigged. There's loads of space in the squad. There's not a massive squad being carried forward. So um, it will be really, really interesting to see how that carries on. But uh, let's continue with the headlines, Emery. 
Uh, yeah, well, just two more to run through. The first one is that, um, for some reason, the EFL have uh, changed the second leg playoff dates. Do you know anything about this? Any any yeah. reason why? Uh, South Yorkshire Police, by all accounts, they were a little bit iffy about Bolton and Derby coming to town at the same time. So they've decided to change things around, which has caused a little bit of a problem for one or two people who had booked ahead with with uh, days off work and hotels. Why they couldn't have done this well in advance, I could have told you this could have happened uh, two or three weeks earlier, but South Yorkshire, please say, well, <laughs> let's not go there. Um, and, mm. uh, and, you know, and the EFL... Ditto, really. It, it, it seems I initially, when when it initially was conveyed to me, I thought, oh right, well Sky have had their say. There must be a better Premier League game going on on the Saturday, so they'll just rejig everything and and it kind of like sell a v a bit because Sky put in so much money into football, they're always going to have that say, and you just kind of kind of get get your head around that. It's just annoying, but it does does happen. For it to be something as as uh, something like the police, it, it seems daft because this could have been forecast a long, long time ago. So just to reiterate then, so if Bolton Wanderers finish fifth, they play Barnsley at home 3pm on Saturday, May the 13th. Um, and the return leg at Oakwell will now be on Friday, May the 19th with an 8pm kickoff. So that's if they finish fifth. If they finish sixth, they play Sheffield Wednesday at home 8pm kickoff on Friday, May the 12th. And the return leg at Hillsborough played on Thursday, May 18th, 8pm kickoff. So Thursday night in Sheffield. That mm. takes me back to my student days. I don't mind. I might go to pull some Vogue afterwards and see if it's still uh, £5 on the door and free beer all night. Um yeah, well, that's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you look at the championship playoffs and what the games are set to be, and then the League One playoffs, and you could, you probably argue that actually there's going to be bigger attendances, bigger away followings in the League One playoffs than there is going to be in the uh, in the championship ones. So, yeah, I guess it is what it is. It's um, I don't know. As you you say there about that, obviously it's the police that have done it. I think there's something a bit old school about the police dictating the times and gates of matches over Sky. I think we're a bit refreshing with that, but um, no, I think both will be great occasions, whoever we're playing, I'm, I'm sure. You know, I think it's great for us that uh, we are playing teams who are within an hour's drive. I think there'll be a bigger way following rather than, say, a Peterborough, who I'm sure we'd sell out that allocation, but still, you know, you're three hours into it. Um, yeah. So it'd be bit of a, a, a little derby feel to it. So um, so that'd be good. And the the last headline is, uh, oh, this must have brought a smile to everyone's face, every Bolton fan's face this week. Big Sammy's back in football. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, and, and for him to come out in his first press conference as well and say, I'm just as good as Klopp and Hardiola and Arteta. And actually... Fair play to Pep, he actually agreed as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Sam has lost absolutely none of his uh, of his confidence, of his uh, bombasticness. He, uh, absolutely fantastic. Did you see the clip as well with the guy's phone alarm that went off and ended up charging him a, a tenner for charity? Yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good old Sam. Good old Sam. Um, I mean, I, I I did a piece earlier in the week talking about this slight misnomer about Sam being some sort of dinosaur. I mean, I accept that the game has moved on since he was literally an innovator at the start of the millennium and, and incorporating ProZone, which everybody's got that kind of stuff now and everybody embraces data and all sports science, etc., etc. But it, it, the fact that he's got this weird firefighting thing, he's only really done that at a couple of clubs. Most of the clubs that he's managed have been... The Everton, Newcastle, Blackburn, Bolton, for most the most part, kind of clubs that have been in and around the the top half of the table. I know in recent years he's been the guy you call to stop you from relegation, but I think that's based mostly on what he did at Sunderland and mm. and at Crystal Palace. So it's, it seems a bit unfair, really, because people just knock him down. And I think a lot's got to do with the, the England thing and, and the way that that finished. And I know that is something that, that Sam really kind of regrets that he allowed that to happen to himself, got some really bad advice. But 
Um, I think Sam's capacity to listen and learn and uh, and adapt things is is really underestimated. And I think that if he's got a short spell at Leeds, I'm not sure you can necessarily say that he's going to change anything at Leeds. He's, he's basically going in there to shake them up and, and hope that that's the positive reaction he gets. And I'm sure, you know, he'll be he'll be doing the full, you know, lamb's testicles tasting you know, army drills and go-karts and all the other nonsense that these managers uh, come up with to uh, to try and jostle their players and get some semblance of team spirit, um, which he did at Bolton at one stage as well. Uh, but I, I think, you know, were, were he to get longer at Leeds, don't don't write him off as some sort of dinosaur. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's fair. No, I would... Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he's... Um... Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's big Sam, isn't he? And I think uh, what the the funny thing is is obviously a lot's been made of uh, how much he's going to get. And somebody made a point that going he could actually lose all four games and still stay up and still get his four million pound bonus or whatever it is. Which uh, yeah, there may be another level on his house. Is it is it Bromley Cross he lives? Yes, yes, yeah. and it's the same, same house. I, he must be building down. There must be like sort of several vault layers underneath the underneath that house with like pools and all sorts of stuff because uh, it's not exactly a millionaire's mansion. But no, I don't think he's short of a few bob. And and I can think of um, which internet memes will be going on if he manages to lose all four games and still mm. get three million pound bonus or whatever they say he's getting. Um, he will be. Tickled pink, but uh, no. Good luck to Sal. I hope he. I hope he makes it. So, um, right, we've got time for a quick bit of post. Take it away, Phil. Is that Philip Marais? Emails actually. Just the one email because we are running over a little bit on time. So um, this one is from Ron and he, weirdly enough, is in Spain. Henry is a a fellow uh, Spaniard. Um, So (laughs) he says, um, Dear Buff, a quick email to express my gratitude to Sharon Britton and the rest of the Football Ventures crew for the way they've turned this club around. I heard an email being read out in last week's show that seems to suggest they had not or were not willing to willing in the future to put money into the club. But all I can see is solid investment. We do not want to build our house on sand again, and if you know your history, those good intentions were initially shared by Eddie Davis and Phil Gartside back in the day, until the element of gamble set in during the Premier League and ambition had to be catered for. I know that promotion to the Championship would represent the same dilemma, but from what I can see, clubs who have established a stable spending plan and got their recruitment rights, are actually doing quite well up there. Luton Town for promotion, by the way. Love the podcast, always brightens my week. Henry, I mean, obviously, goes without saying that Queen Sharon um, deserves a, a shout-out for, for the job she's done. Um, but are we making a bit too much? And I've, I've kind of count myself in this uh, category that the championship is going to be this big spending cauldron that I, I worry about whether football ventures can can manage are we making too much of it um yes and no i think yes because the likes of luton have done well uh millwall continuously do well um you know and there's others as well but then you look at the likes of blackpool and i'd probably say we're possibly on the same sort of level as blackpool in terms of um, you know how much we spend in and stuff like that and and they've gone down you know, I don't doubt for one minute we're not going to be a Wigan and they're not going to pay the players, but I think it more be Blackpool. So, yeah, I think he's got a point. Um, this is the big question, isn't it? It might need to be answered in the summer. Is is it a year too early to go up um, or not? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think I think it certainly can be done on Bolton's budget. Yeah, Rotherham is another decent example. Mm. They, they look like they're going to keep their head above uh, water. And I think were Bolton to go up I think that would be the target but hey okay right for once I am vaguely optimistic about opening up the Fantasy League files
time of recording, and with three players left to play, two Brighton, one United, by the way, I have got 93 points this week, and mm. I've risen to the lofty heights of 97th. Uh, and I think most people this week triple-captained Erling Haaland. Um, certainly, certainly anybody with half a brain triple-captained Erling Haaland this week, didn't they, Henry? Uh, anyone who actually changed their fantasy team in time would have done that. Uh, whereas I think my captain is still Harry Kane. You are sticking steadfast to Harry Kane. Um, very, very uh, patriotic of you in the, the coronation weekend. <laughs> um, I think you've got 70 points and you've got one player left to go. You were 196th anyway. And uh, you seem to be... In- you seem to have been in that position for absolutely ages. It's a bit like Bolton last season when they were like 10th for eight months. Yeah, I think as, as long as I keep my head above 200, then I'm fine. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to slip into that bottom 250. That would be terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, top five time then. Top five time. Uh, long-time leader Regan Rushton is being closed down. Um, Alfie Hinton's brought himself to within 28 points. Kieran Russell's in third, and he got 117 points this week already. Uh, Matthew Inman fourth, and there's a new entry into the top five, Peter Thompson's team. Now, this is a great name. 103 points this week. His team name is Kevin Davis Thighs. Brilliant. You've got to love that. It's a very strong contender for name of the season. And there will be a prize for name of the season, by the way, as well as a prize for uh, the the team that wins it. A new range of buff merch is already being ordered as we speak, I am assured. So, uh, yes, that'd be interesting. I might even get uh, a T-shirt for your next holidays, uh, Henry. When will they be? How many weeks? Two or three weeks before your next holidays? I think it actually is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good grief. You know you're only allowed to spend a certain number of weeks outside the UK before they start uh, considering you a tax exile. Um, I'm not commenting on that in case HMRC are listening to this podcast, <laughs> we which are... I'm sure they, they sure they would have done at some point. Exactly, we are very popular with HMRC and uh, <laughs> a lot of our listenership does come from wherever they're based. Anyway, right, time for the last predictions of the season. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Bristol Rovers away, uh, which is a fixture, I think, that looked like a really tricky one until last week's results. Now it looks like a decent place to celebrate the coronation of King Dion. Mm, uh, although I, I've just seen on Twitter you've put that you hope he can help you out with a headline. I, I don't know. I don't know whether Dion will play. I mean, he might rest him. Do you know why? I've I've actually flipped that and said I'm, I'm going to put him in the paper tomorrow before the game. So I'm nice. getting, I'm, I'm using the headline regardless. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> Tough. I don't care if he plays or not now. I've done it before the game. Um, I'm with you. Yes, I, I think anybody that can be rested will be rested. I wouldn't say it's flip-flop's job, but and, and the thing is, Ian Ever is, is one of those people, I don't think he does losing very well. And I don't think he, he, he certainly wouldn't be able to smile through one of those end-of-season performances. So I think they're going to want to win. And, and Joey Barton's team's clearly not clocked off. I mean, they've got nothing to play for at all, but they did Bolton a favour last weekend when they went to Peterborough. So it, it, I think it's going to be competitive regardless. Yeah, um, I, I, I can see... I, I mean, we've seen in the Papa John's, haven't we, that he does, even our sort of uh, a team with a lot of changes, still a good team. So I think it'll be along those lines. Mm. Although, yeah, I do think that he won't want to lose it he won't want to go into the playoffs on a defeat. You know, you look at some of the other teams, um, like Barnsley, for example, who have lost the last few. They drew last week, but conceded four. Mm. Um, Sheffield Wednesday, they're winning, but where's their mentality going to be? And then Derby and Peter can't decide amongst themselves who doesn't want the playoffs. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure he'll want to win to go into it. But, yeah, I also think, I don't think, I don't think he'll be stupid. I don't think he's going to, run anyone into the ground because it's it's not worth it. I know we've got a, a six-day break until the next game, but um, or maybe five. But, um, yeah, I can see. I think Santos will come back in, and then other than that, he might give Adibiejo and Amundalu a start, see how they do together. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm wondering really if there's anybody that needs to play, and Rico's probably the very good example of that. Um, if somebody were to score, and Adebayojo possibly a good idea, Kachunga would definitely put his hand up on that as well. Somebody who's like on the verge, who who would, if they scored on the last day, get a chance against Barnsley, Sheffield Wednesday, whoever it might be in the in the first leg of the, the semi final. And I think probably Adebayojo definitely be the be the one because he he hasn't nailed down that starting place yet. But you get the feeling that if he were to start scoring now, this could be a this could be the time for him. Who do you want? So. Who do you want? Derby or Peterborough? Well, considering that I uh, I produce Darren McAnthony's podcast, <laughs> I'm going to have to say Peterborough. Don't I? But uh, to be honest, I think um, I, I I do. Yeah, I, I would like Peterborough just because from a Bolton point of view, we've won twice against them. Uh, I think Santos has dealt with Clark Harris very well. So if that was the final, um, then there's the opportunity. Yeah, I think we've we've got a good chance. And also, you know, I think Derby are Derby, are Derby aren't they? You, you can't have... You've already got Ipswich going up. You can't have a another of the so-called uh, bigger clubs apart from Bolton going up. So, uh, yeah, I think it would be... I think uh, Derby on the way back from Oblivion, but... Um, it would be quite funny if they missed out because they have been in the top six pretty much all season. So, yeah, I'd, I'd rather Peterborough. What about you? Yeah, I think I think I would rather Peterborough. I'm, I'm with you in terms of Bolton's chances in the playoffs. I think I would rather be playing against Peterborough than Derby. But from a, a kind of next season in League One point of view, somebody raised a, a very valid point with me in terms of the teams that are coming down and those that are going up. If you were to get rid of... Uh, Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday, for example, that's two huge budgets. If Derby was also to follow that, that's another huge budget. Um, League One would be quite a fertile ground next season. It would almost be sane. Uh, Bolton mm. would be among the, the real big fish in there, but uh, that's all theoretical. I want Bolton to go up. Of course I do. Um, how about Barnsley or Sheffield Wednesday? Who do you want in the semi-final? Uh, it's... It's a tough one, isn't it? Because yeah, Barnsley since they secured the playoffs and realised they weren't going up, they've had a they've been conceding goals. They've had a mm. poor few weeks. Sheffield Wednesday, as I said, they, they'll either go into it thinking we've got a, we know we deserve to go up, so we should, or um, or they'll be thinking we've missed out on opportunities. So it's it's tough to say. Uh, I've got a funny feeling that we'd be better off playing Sheffield Wednesday. To be honest, what about you? I'm with you. I'm with you. It's the the team that comes out third, like MK Dons last season. The team that misses out on automatic promotion, that's a dagger to the heart. I and and I think Bolton have been better than Sheffield Wednesday twice now. I yeah. think they've they've. I know they've not. They didn't. They lost the first game and they they drew the second one. But I think they've been better. So I think it's a good time. Barnsley, uh, out they outclassed them at Oakwell. It's been quite tight otherwise, but. I just feel like Sheffield Wednesday is a good time to play them. I don't know. I hope that doesn't bite me in the backside as well. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who cares? We're in the playoffs now. It's all reset. It's going to be two more weeks of uh, of biting nails and um, an extra podcasts and all that sort of stuff. Who knows? Yeah. Right. That was a podcast. And it is possible that next week's show might come at you a little bit earlier, 24 hours earlier, probably, depending on whether or not Bolton finish sixth and play Sheffield Wednesday or whether they play Barnsley um, on the uh, Saturday or Friday or however it works out. Basically, watch this space because I think I think the podcast um, is, is subject to change. Um, lots of plans being banded about in Bolton News Towers and uh, we might even have some bonus stuff for the subscribers as well this week uh, just a quick reminder uh, www.theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe currently six pounds for six whole months of subscription definitely the best offer we've had since we've been doing this thing um, anything to add Henry uh, I would say that yeah that's a good offer you need to take it up especially as we go into the playoffs and then all the transfer rumors in the summer were worth reading yeah, six months. Good goodness knows what we'll be doing in six months' time, or or what we'll be talking about. But uh, until next week, whenever that might be, well, it's seven days next week. That's obvious. But whenever the next podcast episode may be, 
Um, I have been Mark. Wanderers can keep winning. Don't give me a summer Isles. <laughs> and I've uh, I've been Henry. We're off to Wembley twice, Hewitt. I think you are Henry two weeks to my next holiday, Hewitt, but that's not <laughs> the point. Uh, this has definitely been the buff.